when someone says rock star, it conjures up visions of fun, success, and overall badassery. For me, the term isn't always embedded in music. It's about general confidence, charisma, and constantly trying to better oneself and the world that surrounds us. Live Like a Rockstar explores stories of the everyday rockstar who positively impact their communities and society overall. I'm your host, Natalie Weiser Orozco, and you're listening to Live Like a Rockstar. Hello and welcome to Live Like a Rockstar episode one featuring my honored guest Iman Musa from Koshri by Mesteca in Clarksville, Maryland. I first met Iman when my husband and I were house hunting in Maryland and we hit it off instantly. So without further ado, hello Iman, how are you doing today? Hi Natalie, how are you? How are you? I'm doing perfectly well. I'm doing great as well. Awesome. So your restaurant has been one of our staples since we moved to Maryland at the beginning of 2020, and we just love it. We can't get enough. Can you please tell our guests a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and what your background is? Uh, yes, of course. First of all, music to my ears. Thank you so much for loving uh, my place, and you're right. We absolutely hit it uh, right away, which was a, a great thing. Um, you guys are a fantastic couple. So um, my restaurant is it's a pretty new place uh i've been in business for like um, a year and a half now um the idea came about because i am originally egyptian uh and i've been craving my food so much my my food culture and what i used to eat back home and you know how they say uh don't complain about the problem fix it so i decided you know what i'm gonna fix it (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna start since there's no egyptian food uh places in the area uh which was very surprising um i decided to start my own thing and then um to share all of this with the rest of the people because um when i would ask anyone uh have you had egyptian uh, food before everyone says hmm that's weird we've never thought we, we don't know what egyptian food is So that's where the idea uh, came from. That is amazing. So you're originally from Egypt and you're here in Clarksville, Maryland now. How, why, why did you choose to open up a restaurant in Clarksville? So, um, it wasn't, the location was, um, initially, uh, the location was not uh, supposed to be Clarksville. I always wanted to have uh, a spot in Baltimore. Uh, but, um, what happened is that my first opportunity opened up in Clarksville and, uh, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Uh, I, I always thought that Baltimore is going to be my launch pad. Um, but that didn't work. It didn't work out this way. Um, this was, there was this food, uh, court that was starting and, and I was guided to it by a, another, um, amazing business person, a woman, another woman in business who has been very, very supportive to me throughout my, my whole journey. And she guided me to this place and um, it happened to be in Clarksville. Uh, and I, um, I, I've never thought of being in Howard County, uh, but sometimes when you work hard and you're well-intentioned, um, just the, the universe works with you and sets up uh, the stage for you sometimes to be um, in the right place. And I can't imagine myself being in a better place for a launch pad, just because the the whole atmosphere had been very supportive. Yes, I, for one, am very grateful that you are in Clarksville, because it's nearer to where I live than Baltimore is. (laughs) (laughs) And I can enjoy your food as much as I want to. (laughs) 
So can you explain the common kitchen setup? I know it's kind of like a food court area. Do you have to share a kitchen? How many others do you have to share with? Absolutely. So the common kitchen is a, it is a shared food court with a shared kitchen. Um, uh, big shout out to the, to the founder and the owner of the place, uh, George Stone. Um, he, um, he's the first person I met when I was exploring my opportunity in this place. Um, his, his vision was uh, to give an opportunity to entrepreneurs who want to uh, enter the food uh, scene, but he knows very well uh, that the cost is very, very high to build a kitchen. So uh, he came up with the idea of having a shared facility uh, for a group of vendors who want to make their dreams come true and have them share this space. Um, and it just worked out fantastically. There were some hurdles with um, the health department at the, begin at the beginning because um, Howard County is not known for having food courts. Uh, so it's, it, was, it, was a hard, uh, it was a hard sell at the beginning. Uh, but the way we all managed uh, to keep the place and, and keep the, uh, the space and how we shared it and everything uh, eased things out a little bit. Um, I'm very happy to say that um, I'm very, very, very happy and proud of my work family. We are 11 vendors, um, some of the best 11 people you can be with sharing a space. <laughs> They're all un unbelievably kind, unbelievably supportive. Uh, it's just a very, very, I'm very lucky. It's, it's a very nourishing and, and um, supportive community. Uh, plus Clarksville, um, Clarksville Commons itself as a, as a space, as a plaza in in um, in Clarksville is very supportive of its vendors so they uh, they provide us with a lot of marketing and a lot of uh, PR uh, there's they stand behind us all the time so uh, sometimes when the times are rough and it's slow and you would find it's like having your own marketing agency behind you which is a which is a great thing to have when you're a, a tiny small business with limited resources Oh, wow. No doubt. Um, that is just incredible that you guys are paving the way for hopefully more food uh, establishments like that and paving the way and making it easier for other entrepreneurs to kind of follow in your footsteps. Absolutely. I believe that um, food courts is the future of, uh, of food uh, around us now because there is a, just so much talent and so many people in how they bring uh, their own recipes from their own cultures and their own homes and their own uh, grandmas and mom moms and everything and how much they enrich the scene and how how the scene is just bursting with so much uh, good flavors and um, and just variation that you didn't think you're gonna have so uh, so I think this is just gonna be um, an ongoing concept everywhere. And as you said, we're very happy to, to set an example for it in Howard County. That's great. All right. So as you've said, koshri is the national food of Egypt. Um, can you explain the dish? Is it naturally gluten-free and vegan as you de have decided to prepare it? So uh, the dish is naturally vegan. Yes. Uh, it is not naturally gluten-free. Um, before opening my retail space, I've been in the food uh, scene for like three years. Um, and from the experience I gained being in farmers markets, I was able to see the trend that people are um, growing allergies, unfortunately, uh, and they are um, uh, heading more towards healthier, cleaner types of food. And, and this encouraged me. So when I started, I was, uh, my concept was not vegan yet. It was not 
uh, gluten-free, I was just presenting um, what I, the raw um, taste and feel of what I come with from my own country. And then with time, I started filtering out and started matching what the market needs with what I already have, which is a culture that is super rich in uh, vegan uh, food and Mediterranean uh, variation. We all know the Mediterranean diet and how rich uh, and and um, versatile it is. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why, why am I looking uh, for or why am I why am I um, not putting this equation together? I started at the ends of, of my farmer's market experience to um, to uh, sample the kushari bowl just to figure out if this is something would, that would be appealing to people. And I was very surprised uh, at how much um, how much uh, traction it gained and, and how much uh, appeal it had with people. And it, that got me thinking, like, why are people loving this meal so much? Why is it now one of my best selling products? A koshri bowl, the national dish of Egypt, starts with white rice, brown rice, or quinoa. Top it off with lentils, gluten-free pasta, chickpeas, Mesteca's signature sauce, the fried onions, which are my favorite, and vinaigrette. And then this is where I started digging more about the, the history of the meal. And because I would find um, people from all walks of life loving it. Americans love it, Middle Eastern people love it, Indians love it, Asians love it, which is... It was a little bit weird for me because um, we naturally love different things as groups of people. So it was fascinating for me. And aside from the fact that the components of the dish itself, which is like pasta and beans and rice and stuff, is everyone knows what those things are. But um, putting them together and the flavors that end up matching, marrying together in this dish is what was new to people. So in my search of uh, why is this national dish of, of mine so appealing, I, I stumbled upon the history of it and learned that the origin of the dish is Indian. Oh, okay. Uh, so the koshari comes originally from the word kichri, which is rice and lentils. It's a meal that originated in India. And then it traveled to England, uh, where they used to eat it for breakfast as a cereal or granola. It was a, it's a breakfast item. And then when the English invaded Egypt, they took it with them. Uh, and then so many over the years, so many modifications happened to it, including the pasta and the sauce and the fried onions and the vinaigrette. And, and it became now the, the national dish of Egypt. So it was fascinating to me personally, because this is the dish I enjoy everywhere in my country, but didn't think of exploring the origin of it. So it was really fascinating. Yes, I definitely find the food history very, very fascinating. And that's that's awesome that you kind of workshopped it at the uh, farmer's market first and that it was such a hit. And I just to add a little bit of my own experience with your food, it Whenever I'm finished with a meal, I feel as if I I ate sunshine, if you will. <laughs> it makes me feel so, so good inside. <laughs> and I, I imagine it's due to not only the flavors, but just the, the whole foods that you put into the dish. That is absolutely right. So um, we all know that nothing matches the food that you cook at home. And trust me, the sunshine you feel after this meal, I, I felt all my life when my mom was cooking it. And I think somehow this feeling and this passion just transfers to my customers through 
throughout making this food when I was in Egypt, um, in the last 10 years, we, a lot of McDonald's chains and stuff had been opening, popping up everywhere in Egypt. And we've been enjoying all the burgers and stuff. But all of us know that by time, uh, we start feeling um, not ourselves. We start feeling uh, not the same. All of those feelings that come with too much processed food. And then when I came here, I, I just wanted more of that because there are a lot of chains, there are a lot of food to explore. And, and I did that for the longest time and I didn't want to cook and I wanted right. to buy the ready meals and, stuff <laughs> and and have a simple, easy life where I don't have to spend hours in the kitchen. But this this took a toll on me and my kids and my uh, my family's health. So slowly I started going back to, you know what, we need some balance. I really miss what we ourselves uh, cook and process knowing what, what 3D goes into it. And I decided, uh, I remember very well when I started production in the kitchen, my very gracious, kind uh, neighbors were shocked at the amount of production we make at the kitchen. Oh, wow. And they would tell me, they would tell me, everyone loves your food, but we're worried you're not going to be able to make money off of all of this production. Everything is too green and too bright and too fresh. And I, and I used to tell them, if I can't do it this way, I'm not going to do it. Because right. it's just this way that uh, triggers the passion in me. If it starts being cans and, and stuff, it's not going to it's not gonna feel the same. It's, it, I'm not going to be sharing me. Right. I'm going to be cre- recreating something that doesn't represent me. And the food business is not an easy business to be in. So truly, if you don't have the, the passion and the heart for it, it's going to be very hard to continue. Right. And, and it kind of defeats the purpose if you start altering what you were so passionate about in the first place. And that Absolutely. leads me to um, the fact that all of your passion, people are recognizing it and um, it has manifested in you being the winner for the vegan restaurant week <laughs> this year. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's surreal. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. I don't know what to say. Just, just knowing. So when people vote for you, um, it, it's, you know, I learned again through the, the market, through the farmer's market. I learned that um, when people compliment your food, that's a nice thing, but it's mm-hmm. not a true indication uh, of, uh, of your food being suitable for them or not. People vote really with their, with their dollar, with their bucks right. and, and vote with, with elevating you. Uh, to 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 places and positions and statuses that otherwise you cannot have access to. It's it's this is why I'm always very very grateful for my customers. It's it's them believing in you and and deciding that you deserve to go to the next step that really moves you. Uh, after of course that you when you, after you putting in the work. So um, I w- I knew very well that I'm going into a competition. Um, the reason the reason I wanted to be in Baltimore is that I know that the Baltimore scene is just buzzing with with vegan food, and I just wanted to be amongst those amazing people. Um, so when I went to the competition the first time, I, I I just wanted to try. I just wanted to put myself out there, and I was very ready to be not any of the of the winners. Uh, but to my shock, we won the first time, and I was just blown away. Uh, that oh wow people that the the food actually resonated with people they remembered and they went in and they gave me their vote uh, and that was last year wow. and then when we went again yes when we went again this year the competition was even more fierce yes I and mean the, yeah 
I, I, I did participate as part of the media in the um, Baltimore uh, Vegan Restaurant Week this just this past, uh, I think it was in February. And there are a lot of great restaurants out there, like you said, but yours, yours is obviously the best. So um, and I, I was honored because those are among the best names in, in the vegan market. So I am I'm very humbled and honored. Oh, that is, that's incredible. And that's the attitude that just keeps the abundance coming and pouring into yes. your lives, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this whole pandemic that we are all experiencing. On uh, Monday, March 16th, we were ordered to shut down in Howard County, of which we are both members, um, due to the novel coronavirus. What was going through your mind when you heard that news and that the public had a shelter in place order? Wow. <laughs> it was a very emotional day for me and um, it still is. And I think this, this was the first time when my work family saw me break down. Oh, <laughs> like no. we, we had a lot of, uh, of rough times and days. Uh, but, um, but I, I, I think this is this was just the worst uh, day of them all. Uh, I remember very well. Um, I was uh, just in a complete state of shock because um, it just interrupted our momentum. I just yeah. felt that we are we were so we've been in business in a year and a half. It took all of us so much effort to bring in people to the common kitchen and to let Howard County and neighboring counties know that we exist. And we all remember very well the days when we line up all vendors, <laughs> all <laughs> owners uh, at the window and just wave to the people on the on the highway like, guys, oh. we exist, come and see us. And we always remember that day and then remember how now the place is buzzing with people. Uh, and we were just flourishing, all of us. We were awaiting uh, a, a smashing, rocking spring. Right. Uh, we all had big plans, financial plans for it. Um, I was, it's just a lot of dreams of people who are just starting. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it interrupted, not only us, it interrupted so many lives. But I think what made me freak out uh, and broke me down the most was uh, my team. Uh, this was very hard for me because I didn't, I knew I cannot, I knew immediately I cannot sustain them oh. and I didn't know what they're going to do. Right. So it just, it just, uh, it just broke my heart in pieces and i i realized uh, immediately that if i can survive i am i'm lucky enough to survive as a person if i don't survive as a business i still thankfully have a roof over my head i i have food in my fridge but i i was so worried for them oh my so this this was a hard day it was a very hard day so i from what i'm hearing it sounds like you had to let some people go I that, did. Oh my, have you been able to take anybody back on? Uh, unfortunately, not my old team. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Now, from from a, a standpoint of being a customer and looking at your business from the other side, from the, the customer's side, it seemed like your business model really turned around quite fast and you adapted very well with your social media it seems like you never lost faith and you just tried to keep on going however you could 
how did you do that? Like assess how you, did you have an order online thing going already? Or like, how did you pivot your business model? So, um, this, this business just taught me a lot and it made me just grow so much. Uh, and I learned to, um, I learned to capitalize on opportunities, even if they seem not possible now, or they mm-hmm. seem far away. I like to set things in, in place just in case the opportunity arises. <laughs> I'm a big <laughs> believer in, um, in what Oprah says, opportunity make it make meeting preparedness. Okay, I, I so much agree. That's why I always tell my team we have to be stocked, we have to be ready, we cannot be short because you never know when the next big order is going to come. So you just have to be ready. If you're not ready, you're going to lose the opportunity. So uh, I did have an online ordering system in place that I've been begging my customers to uh, to use, and they were not. I also in Egypt, uh, delivery and delivery service is uh, I'm not sure if I'm using the right word, but it's seamless. Everything is is delivered in Egypt. Like the transition for me from Egypt to here was very hard because um, you get everything when you're at home. You get your meat, your your produce, you get your uh, pharmacy delivers, your even your uh, clothes, the iron, the uh, laundry people, they will come take your clothes, iron it, and bring it back. So it's it's a very um, it's a very community uh, uh, like supportive community effort where right. services happen all the time. So when I came here, I discovered that if I don't remember to get my salt from me for, with me from the supermarket, I will have to get in my car and drive again <laughs> to go get a salt a salt box from the supermarket. So I learned to be very, uh, very efficient with my shopping list. Uh, so uh, I always wanted that to happen here, but it never, I was never able to implement it. I personally tried to implement it in my business. It was hard just because um, we don't have minimum wage in Egypt. Uh, things are very different how people uh, earn the money versus here. Oh. And uh, you here you have a minimum wage and as, as a small food business, you just can't sustain all of those costs. So I didn't do it. Uh, I think the best, one of the best things that happened in this pandemic is delivery service became a thing and people realized that we can make it work somehow. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going get, to get better and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be modified. And I think the big players in the market are going to adjust their prices and things will fall in place just because um, it's convenient and we lead very busy lives and we need this convenience. So luckily, again, to answer your question, uh, the system was in place, yes. Um, I turned around things because I realized that I cannot stop, uh, that I don't have an option to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I invested everything um, in this little hole in the wall, as they say. Uh, and I, not, I was not about to watch it uh, crash and burn. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I cannot go back home. I'm stuck here because there's no travel. Um, I can't have my family here with me so that we ride out uh, this pandemic. Um, I meant my my family. I, I'm I'm talking about my mother and my brothers, which are the the like pillars of my life. Yes. Uh, I um, everything is shut down, and I and I have nothing else to do except focus on on what how can I turn this uh, business around to serve people and to grow even through this. And I realized that if I can ride this wave, 
um, hopefully nothing else can 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 break this business. And w if if it wasn't without you amongst many other amazing customers, I don't think we could have uh, done it. So I'm well, very grateful for so many people. Well, I definitely give you kudos because every time I go to order online, the ordering process is seamless. The picking up process is seamless. And it's it's been nothing short of amazing. It's it's really sustained my husband and I throughout this pandemic, and and we're very grateful for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. And you know, in, in the beginning stages of the pandemic, I noticed something that you had on your website as far as thank you meals, and you also have a campaign called Don't Eat Alone. Um, can you give us a little bit of details on how you came up with the thank you meals, what you're doing for the frontline workers and the hospitals, and just how other ways that you're helping the the community now throughout this pandemic? Sure. So, um, so the thank you campaign it was in a way a replacement for Don't Eat Alone because what happens is with our since we started since day one, uh, we vowed to. Um, donate one kosher meal for every three we sell. And we've been doing that since then. Uh, and when the, the pandemic hit, we were at 28,000 meals already. And nothing nothing brings me more joy than counting the meals and knowing how much we hit. Wow. Uh, so when that, yes. <laughs> you guys you guys are amazing. My customers are unlike anyone else. I'm the best <laughs> customer in the world. <laughs> well, short story. Uh, the first three months, I decided I crazy me decided that I'm gonna put a hit a put a goal of 750 meals in three months, and everyone around me was like, "Where do you get this confidence from? You're just <laughs> starting. No one knows you." And and before before uh, two weeks before the deadline, we were were at uh short like three or four meals short of 800 meals. Wow! And I told them, I told you, <laughs> I told you, people. People have a ton of kindness in them and they want to do good. And if you approach them the right way, you're just going to get all of this leashed. And we've seen all of this through the pandemic, which is another uh, upside to it. But anyways, when the pandemic happened, um, unfortunately, I had uh, one of the hard decisions was I had to stop the uh, campaign. Uh, mm -hmm. the donations because I just can't I, I there's no money coming in anymore and in a business with our size uh, you don't sit on money uh, right. it's just the money that comes that that you use uh, mm -hmm. it's no we don't have the cushions that to sustain us so um, so I had to stop the don't eat alone campaign and it was very painful for me but I said you know what I'm I need to do something because this has right. always been a, something attached to my business and when I don't have it it just takes away a lot of the value in this business. So um, I um, met a friend uh, who knows a, a friend who's a nurse in, um, in Montgomery Hospital. And uh, I learned about the, the unbelievable effort and the unbelievable stress they go through uh, in the ICU unit every night. Of course, and yeah. I said, you know what? Uh, let me drop off meals for you guys. And I did it one week, two weeks, three weeks. And I did it on my own. And yes, it was taking a toll on me financially and physically because I had lost my team. But I just I was just enjoying it. And this is what mattered at this time. So, um, again, uh, that's the universe just uh, like conspires with you and, and helps <laughs> sometimes. And when people learned that I'm doing this, they said, you know what, we want to do this with you. 
why don't you create a way for us to um, to help out? We want to buy meals. We, we too feel very grateful for all the healthcare workers and the essential uh, workers in the community. And we want to say thank you. Yeah. And and this thing was born. And I was just amazed at, at how there was a continuation for Don't Eat Alone um, through the thank you campaign that is still going. People are still buying meals until now. Oh, that is incredible. So it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. So much, so much goodness. I hope enough to turn this world around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little by little, it makes a difference. Yes. I am a firm believer yes. in that. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I agree. So I would be remiss if I didn't bring to light the current Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I've seen you post in support of the movement, which is amazing and commendable. I feel the same way. Um, do you have any words to offer in this time of reform and change? Wow. You have no clue how watching the protesters and what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, the uprising that happened in the Middle East in 2011, which I was a part of. Oh, wow. Uh, and this uprising uh, started with us protesting the police. <laughs> because oh, oh, we wow. were facing, yes, we were facing the exact same problems uh, in a different context, but it's the exact same thing. Uh, the police has been very brutal with, with us. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the side that's supposed to protect you is actually causing so much harm. And people decided that, you know what, enough is enough. Uh, we own this country, you don't. So we're going we're gonna to set the rules, you're not going to set it. For us. There was a post that you made, uh, oh, I, it, it must have been probably three weeks ago, about just being kind. And I think that that is what most people want. And uh, yeah, I think that that is getting disrupted a little bit. But I, I do believe in my heart of hearts that we will prevail and we will, kindness will win. There's a reason, there's a reason uh, there are so many uh, kind people uh, around. I think we are the army. We are the chosen ones. <laughs> we are the ones who are supposed to turn this around. <laughs> we are the ones who are supposed to create the ripple effect of goodness. This is what I want to say, is that we need to stop be seeing color. We need to stop seeing uh, differences. We just need to, uh, as much as we can, uh, help each other. It's, it's not hard to see that uh, it's not hard to realize that when you succeed in a way I succeed. If we think about if we, if we just um, embrace this uh, mindset, and this mm -hmm. is what America is based on. You guys take in people from all over the world and you created a system that included everyone. It is mind boggling for me. It's how, how do you have people from all of those backgrounds and they are coexisting and living and flourishing. Right. I just don't it's, want to see this. I don't want to see this going away anytime soon. Right, right. I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, and the, and the hard workers among amongst us have to be recognized. Uh, we all this pandemic uh, was ugly enough to show us who was hit the hardest. Yeah. And I think if we ignore it, we are just having a huge por portion of our humanity being dismantled. Um, we know what kind of jobs they carry and this just has to either change or they have to be valued way more than they are now yes uh, because the 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 status quo is just not maintainable yes you know something that you said just a just a bit ago 
reminded me of a quote that I try to live by, which is a rising tide floats all ships. And I think that if we all contribute positively to our society and help affect change and help our brothers and sisters who might be less fortunate than us, or, you know, whatever the case may be, that we will all be better for it in the end. That's very true. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for your insight on that. I really appreciate that. And I look forward to getting more messages like this out into the interwebs, as they say. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, Iman, thank you so much again for joining us on the very first episode of Live Like a Rockstar podcast brought to you by the Yay, Devil Wears congratulations Parsley. Congratulations for the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very you. excited. <laughs> This is where we feed our inner rock star with not only food, but knowledge and spirituality. You, Iman, are an invaluable member of our society, contributing immensely, not only to nourish our bodies with the amazing food, the koshery, but our spirituality too, with your immense kindness in light, living like a true rock star that you are. So please let um, our audience know where they can find you, like your website, social media, etc. And if you have anything else to add, please do. The stage is yours. Thank you, ma'am. So um, Koshari by Mesteka is the name of the retail space. Uh, com is the website. And the handle, the social media handle is, again, at Koshari by Mesteka. It's very easy to find us. Uh, koshery, the easiest way to remember the name is kosher with a Y. This is how I try to ingrain <laughs> it in people's memory. This is my little trick there. And um, thank you, Natalie, so much for um, for your idea of the podcast. I think uh, it's never enough for us to, uh, to speak to each other and to talk about how collectively uh, our loving energy can just change things around. Um, and uh, all I want to say is that a kindness, it affects you before it affects the person that you're trying to be kind to first. So give it a try. It's, it's a joy. You're going <laughs> to get a kick out of it. You're going to get addicted to kindness. It just pays you a ton way more than you think it will. Yes. Awesome. I love it. All Do right. it for yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Iman, thank you so much again. And we look forward to checking in with you perhaps at a later date. Uh, this is Natalie, your host for Live Like a Rockstar. And we will catch you later. That was Iman Musa, champion of kindness and rockstar of the people. You can find her at 12250 Clarksville Pike Suite A in Clarksville, Maryland, and visit her and place orders on the web at kosherybymisteca.com and find her on Instagram at koshery underscore by underscore misteca. I'm your host, Natalie Weiser Orozco. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I encourage you to live like a rock star.